Hey fellow superhero cinephiles, did you know that almost 30% of adults say they haven't read a book in the past year? The primary reason why is a lack of time. Well, Audible's here to help with the gift of found time. Thanks to Audible, you can listen to audiobooks like Marvel Comics, The Untold Story, or Slugfest, inside the epic 50-year battle between Marvel and DC. Read up on the history of superheroes in comics and movies with Grant Morrison's Super Gods. You can also check out Vanguard, my original superhero novel series, or try The Vril Agenda or The Adventures of Fortune McCall, both of which were written by our dearly departed host emeritus, Derek Ferguson. Whatever you're looking for, Audible has thousands of titles that you can consume while commuting, exercising, cooking, or just relaxing at home. And not only audiobooks, an Audible membership also gives you access to tons of content like podcasts, theatrical performances, and exclusive Audible originals that you won't find anywhere else. To give you a taste of what you can get, Audible has partnered with this show to provide listeners with a free 30-day trial. All you have to do is go to audibletrial.com slash supercinemapod, and with your free trial, you get one free audiobook and two free Audible originals. In fact, you get to keep those titles even if you cancel before the trial is over. So what are you waiting for? Head on over to audibletrial.com slash supercinemapod and start your free trial today. You tie me up to go off to war? I know how to help you. What are you doing? I know I know the grid specs. I can reset the system. You can't be here right now. I'm not messing around. You can't be here right now. This is insane. Guess what? Nobody makes my decisions for me. All right? Nobody. This is my choice. Okay? My choice. This is mine. Now, how do we stop him? Okay, so he's electric, he's like a battery. So what happens if you overcharge a battery? It explodes. Right. So we use his power against him. Perfect, okay. I think I can reconnect the power lines, but what I need you to do, I need you to reset the system. Okay, when I say you turn that power on, you turn it on, no matter what. Peter. No matter what. Welcome back to the Superhero Cinephiles podcast. Well, um, I'm your host, Perry Constantine, and for all of you, it's been two weeks, but for us, it's only been about five minutes or so because I'm back here with Kellen Conley, the B hyphen himself, to talk about uh, Amazing Spider-Man 2. Kel, how are you cheer, doing? Cheer, cheer. I'm great, man. I'm happy to be here, Perry. How are you? I'm doing good. Doing good. Um, got ca- caffeinated up after our little uh, hiatus. Got to there you go. see my daughter before she started um, see her before she started crying. <laughs> <laughs> I got to say got to say good night, and I'm sitting here sipping on a tasty beverage myself. So we're doing good. Good. Awesome. And uh, so obviously no news because we which is the same day for us. So, um, but so we're just going to jump right into it and talk about The Amazing Spider-Man 2. Um, 2014, I believe it was. 2014. You got it right. April 18th. Yeah. I'm sorry. May 2nd. That was Mexico. <laughs> May 2nd is when it came out in the States. Um, so what were your thoughts on Amazing Spider-Man 2 when you saw it? <sighs> what a mess. <laughs> There is so many different stories in this film mm-hmm. that are be, trying to be put into one cohesive story and they don't get there <laughs> at yeah. all. The Green Goblin part feels like a different film. The Electro part feels like a different film. The, the Gwen parts are interwoven throughout all of this, which is really unfair mm-hmm. to to the story, spoilers, everybody, Gwen doesn't make it. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and then you you have the the May Aunt May has has his can't pay bills and ha- is working on the side but not telling Peter thing. Yeah, yet, yeah, yeah. Which is was really weird. And then you have Peter finding out more about his parents. And then the whole opening of the film mm-hmm. is Mary and Peter on the plane, and they they the planes like assassin Mary and Richard. Or yeah, I'm sorry. Mary and Richard's on the plane and the assassin's trying to take him out and he successfully does, but mm-hmm. then Richard's uploading these files and on some kind of Wi-Fi plane, mm-hmm. by the way. <laughs> I mean, obviously he was uh he was uh deep in it, but still he's like hanging on that last minute so he can get that hundred percent uploaded. Mm-hmm. And and then we, we really barely touch on that the rest of the film. It it is a big old mess. There's a lot mm-hmm. of good ideas there's a few bad ideas and it's all shoved into one thing oh and by the way let's get peter to graduation mm-hmm. <laughs> in the middle of this oh and the rhino's here that yeah happens. and then we also get a sinister six tease at the end too oh a, a big sinister six yeah yeah yes. where yeah this still waiting still waiting for that because <laughs> yeah. this was when um sony was trying to do their because after after Amazing Spider-Man, right, Avengers came out that same year, and that's, everybody realized, oh, shit, shared superhero universes are the new thing now, because, yeah. you know, you got, you had these crossover, you didn't have a big crossover like that, until Avengers was the culmination of all these introductions, so yes, it was. after that, all these other places are like, shit, we got to play catch-up, so on the CW, they're like, we got to bring in the Flash, and we got to bring in Black Canary, and all this, and, and then, um, DC was like, we got to bring in, um, we got to bring in Batman and Superman, have them fight. And then you had, uh, and then after, and then you had Sony's like, well, we've got all these Spider-Man characters. Let's make a Spider-Man universe. And, and they tried to do all that in this movie. This was the movie that they decided we're going to, this was a lot like Batman v Superman in that way. And that there's just so much crammed in here to play catch up. Yeah. There's a lot, man. And, I am one of the few people on the planet who will still say that I enjoy watching Batman v Superman. I know it's bad. It has plenty of faults. I, I will not argue with you on any of those points, <laughs> but I will sit there and watch that movie from start to finish. I just happen to enjoy it because apparently I hate myself. Um, but I, you're totally right. I do get that vibe with the Amazing Spider-Man too, where they, they're just like, throw everything in there. It's not mm-hmm. gonna matter. We're gonna do a, another one here in 2016 anyway. Yeah, yeah, because you have... <laughs> You've got the whole thing with the Sinister Six because they were going to do a spinoff movie with the Sinister Six. Mm-hmm. This you had Felicia as Harry's assistant because she was going to spin off into a Black Cat movie. Yes, yes. I always and I just saw her and I, I completely mm-hmm. forgot about her again that quickly. Yes. Yeah. Felicia was there. <laughs> they were setting the seeds for the the Green Goblin, of course, because I mean mm-hmm. we had a Goblin, but that's Harry, mm-hmm. and Harry had some weird stories like I'm dying, I need your blood, mm-hmm. and one of the most awkward Spider-Man scenes in, in Andrew Garfield's career. He's like, I can't give it to you, Harry, blah, blah, blah. He's like, you're just selfish. <laughs> and I was like, man, and, and I, who was the dude who played Harry, man? Dale DeHaan. Uh, not a fan, mm-hmm. <laughs> not impressed, not a fan. I, um, I don't, I don't entirely blame him. It was a paycheck. And you know what they say about when they mm-hmm. back up a truckload of money and dump them in front lawn, you're going, you're going to do that. Uh, and that, and that's what he did, but he did not do anything for me as Harry. So I think you know what I I cut him a little bit of slack, and I think it's mostly the script. But I yeah. think with a better script, 
because I love James Franco in the in the original trilogy. He and that hurts him too. Because <laughs> yeah, Franco yeah, was so good. But you know the thing is though, Franco is is such a pretty boy, and it's kind of like the thing we talked about uh, in the first movie with Andrew Garfield. You know, he's you know he's such a good looking guy. You can't really buy him as an outsider. Mm-hmm. I have trouble buying as much as I love Franco's performance, and it is much better than DeHaan's. I have a lot of trouble buying the whole you know neglected son type thing yeah yeah franco franco has trouble especially because it's so young in his career Mm. at that point i mean this is like literally right after freaks and geeks when he got spider yeah yeah uh so he he didn't do too well in those emotional scenes especially early in the early Mm. films in spider-man 3 uh, until he made his literal face turn Mm -hmm. (laughs) um (laughs) uh like the scene in the cafe, like after mm-hmm. he, he's come back to realizing who he is and stuff. And that waitress asks him how his food is. He goes, delicious. Oh, I he, love that. The pie scene. <laughs> that's so good. Yeah. He's eating the pie. Like that, that's spot on. And then like five minutes later, like Peter's blowing half his face off with a pumpkin mm. bomb. And he's like, and he's like, oh man, I, I think I want to save my friend all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Talk about Spider-Man three. Oh God. <laughs> but Franco did have some good beats in that film, but he mm-hmm. did not carry the emotional weight of what Harry Osborne went through as uh, Norman Osborne's son. Yeah. Well. Now, Dahan, I think, is a much better fit for Harry as a character, but he was just given such a terrible, such terrible stuff to work with. It, it's so weird. It's like Norman dies, you have the same poisoning, he meets up with Peter, and they have like, they have the most awkward. <laughs> hang out mm-hmm. it's like hey man i haven't seen you in years and then it's like we're supposed to believe these two guys are friends and it's like it's not it's not connecting there at least it didn't for me so it maybe. just it also felt so out of left field where it's like yes okay. i mean like in the we go through this whole movie his dad works at oscorp he's in oscorp you know never once is there any mention of the fact that you know oh my best friend was harry was norman osborne's son or nothing like that and the next next movie he says like hey harry the you know son of norman osborne who i who i apparently was friends with all these years ago and we just never talked about it again oh man yeah it it was again it it just worked for the plot at the time Mm -hmm. to suddenly have this best friend even though the whole first movie Involved Oscorp heavily, but yeah, uh, I digress. I suppose <laughs> I'm going to do that a lot here. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I give Dahan. I, I think Dahan tried the best he could, and it's just like nobody could have done a good job in that role, though. You're right. I, I mean, literally, he was there to ultimately be the instrument of of Gwen's death, right? And the whatever the hell he was doing once he was the Goblin. With obviously he had just the sharp teeth and the bouffant mm-hmm. kind of thing going, and he had the costume and everything like that, and su- such a weird people. People give Venom so much crap, and again, mm-hmm. Spider Man Three, and no, Venom was not good in Spider Man Three. Like they tried, it didn't work. Mm-hmm. But this just the whole time I I sat there watching it the first time and then most recently, and I'm watching that final fight. And it, you know, I, I know how it's going to end, and it's just like, man, like this, this just doesn't like. It, it just felt like let's do this real quick so that we can kill her. Like there, there was other ways to do it, man. Like, um, I know you want to have the classic goblin kill Gwen mm-hmm. thing, 
Um, you don't necessarily want it to be electro by any means. Ooh, we've got to talk about electro. Oh my mm-hmm. god. Yeah. But there there was there was still between me and you, your writer, I I I I pretend to write. Um, <laughs> we could come up with like 10 different ways they could have still gotten to that point of Gwen falling to her death right. without going that route and shoehorning it in in the last like that whole scene was like what's 12 minutes maybe mm-hmm. yeah between the time the goblin showed up and tom gwen smacked so yeah when i was re-watching it when i was re-watching it, i'm just like this happened so quick i'm like wait and i'm like am i misremembering it in my head it felt like this was a longer scene no but it's, it's not. not it's really and i'm just I was just sitting there. I'm like, I was more shocked by the fact. I'm like, wait a minute. That, you know, even though I've seen this movie like several times, I'm just, every time I'm just like, this feels like it should be longer. Yeah, I feel like, to be I mean, like, I'm like, did I, did I doze off or something for a minute? I mean, it just, it feels you like there's a whole thing, chunk missing here. Yeah. I, I was going to say, I wonder if it was longer mm-hmm. and I, I don't know how much the studio cut, how much it got edited out. Cause uh, by I by me I by no means have the extended version of the Amazing Spider-Man two in here where I could see deleted scenes and stuff like mm-hmm. that. But I wonder, I, I I would like to see what the original plan was because that because that scene deserved to be longer. Mm-hmm. I feel like they played more into the lecture role, and they were like, okay, well we can kind of just stick this here, and then everything will be cool, and. It, it deserved way more for it to be such a pivotal character to die mm-hmm. that way. Yeah. To then just be in that quick scene. Cause the falling feels a little like lengthy, you know, and the way that eventually when it all ends and she gets to the bottom, like you feel like he's about to get her. So that's excellently done. Cause it's mm-hmm. like, he's right there on the cusp. So it's like, will he or won't he will he or won't he. And so I was definitely on the edge of my seat for that. But then by the time it's all said and done, it hadn't been any time at all. Yeah, yeah. And that, and it's the, the weird thing is though, the scene with Electro, once Electro is beaten, there's such a finality to that scene that feels like the climax of the movie. the movie. Yeah. Yes. And it's just like this whole thing. It's like, wait a minute, did we accidentally edit in part of, of three into this movie? And, and they, they might have because it felt like end of the movie vibes. It's like, all right, day saved, everything's over. Mm-hmm. You know, let, let let's let's uh, wrap it up. You know, let's get everybody to the after party. You know, yeah. and then it's all of a sudden it's like, hey Peter, I'm like, oh come on. Man. I mean, because and especially because that scene when um, Harry goes in to find the goblin suit, right? You could have left that as a cliffhanger for the third movie. Yes, that would have yes. been a yes, that would have been a have. great cliffhanger for the third movie. Isn't isn't that what they did in Spider Man Two? Didn't Harry find the? Stuff yeah, exactly. It's exactly you're right. It's exactly what they did. It was the same thing. He finds the he finds the Goblin equipment. Yeah. Um, one thing I will say about the Goblin in this movie, though, is I like that. I don't like the Goblin design here, but I like that they tried to do something a little bit more organic as opposed to just the the Power Ranger style mask in the first in. In that um, Willem Dafoe wore one, one of the most interesting casting choices or costume design choices. Ever. It was so weird. I, every time I watch that movie, and, he, and you can see his his face moving beneath the the black mesh, and I'm just like, yeah, yeah. Like, how did he not know it was Norman? Man, like mm-hmm. you can literally look through there. I'm like, <laughs> like dude, Norman. <laughs> like, 
I'm not Norman. I'm the Green Goblin. Dude, I always Norman. feel like I'm at Disney World. <laughs> <laughs> Big Disney vibes. Yeah. Big Disney vibes. But, but William Defoe pulled it off is the crazy part. Yeah, he yeah. Made it believable. Mm-hmm. Believable, air quotes. So I am glad they tried something a little bit more organic with the Goblin in this movie. I They swung for it. It didn't work, but they tried. And I like yes. that. I like that part about it. it was- I'm still hoping for today that I will see just the whoever's playing Norman Osborn or hell, I don't care if it's Osborn, I don't care if it's Kingsley as Hobgoblin. I just want to see someone slip on a classic looking goblin mm-hmm. costume, either the purple or green or the orange and blue, and pull that ghost mask over their face. And then it's like, that's the green goblin. Like, yeah. It's, yeah. It's not that hard, people. Mm-hmm. I know you're like, you look stupid. Like, not, not in 2021. There's so many ways to do it. Yeah. They could easily do it now. Um, so, uh, I mean, it's so hard to think about where to begin with this movie because, like you said, there's so much going on here. Well, l- let's go ahead and start with, um, Let's start with Electro, man. Mm. I, I was so excited for Jamie Foxx to be playing Electro because he's he is such a good actor and yes. Oscar winner. Yeah, Oscar winner Jamie Foxx <laughs> delivered this performance. They, I don't know who 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 I don't know where the source material for Electro is drawn from. Now, when we first meet um, Max Dillon. Um, he, I mean, he worked for the power company. He had the accident and everything. Mm-hmm. The version. There was a few. I remember specifically from um, Objectiveless um, Spider-Man in the '90s. They did this story. Lee Weeks, I think, was either drawing it or something. Mm-hmm. Where it was the like the night story with Electro, and it showed how much of a how down and out Electro was when he wasn't trying to be a supervillain and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then he got this big plan. He's like, I'm, I'm going to take down Spider-Man again. And it was like this three-issue arc, but. I feel like a lot of those vibes are pulled in because they made Max an absolute loser. I mean, I was watching this and the entire time I'm watching it, I'm thinking to myself, what idiot watches Batman Forever, sees Jim Carrey's performance before he becomes the Riddler and thinks that's a good superhero villain origin story. It's it's the exact same thing. And it's exactly Jim Carrey at the beginning of Batman Forever because it's... He's, you know, he's got this, this weird, even to like the, the crazy person wall with like all these clippings of Spider-Man. Yeah. It's. Hey, Spider. Hey, it's your birthday, Max. Thanks, Spider-Man. <laughs> he's doing it in a deep voice and stuff like that. It's, yes. And you would, and even after that, it's like, okay, even if I hadn't bought into him being so nerdy and mm-hmm. dorky and then having an accident after that. They could have they could have made him so much cooler, and it, it just seemed like he was he he spent most of his time being a dang old pawn mm-hmm. for, for for the plot, you know. And there was never really I never felt like he was a legitimate threat. I was like, I I know Peter's going to figure this out. Like, yeah. Well, also there's that whole thing with him, like just being so cartoonishly attention star. Right, like when when Gwen is when he's in the elevator with Gwen and he's like he's like oh yeah I've got this party and a bunch of celebrities gonna be coming and everything and I'm just like why why yeah and then and then she gets and then she gets her floor it's like oh this is my floor uh, it was nice talking to you Max and he's like she remembers my name she's like dude you just told her five minutes ago <laughs> right right I mean that's that's common courtesy for mm-hmm. most people um 
it, it's just and well like even when harry breaks him out of ravencroft and he's like the reason he finally agrees is because harry says i need you and then he's like you need me, you need me? Yes, that's as bad as Martha. God, it's oh, like, yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's like, can we be best friends? <laughs> like, oh man, I can't wait to go skipping through the fields together and having a picnic <laughs> and stuff. Like, why why does Max need a friend so badly? Mm-hmm. And then, then for his origin to happen the way it was, he's like, he's literally leaving. And he's yeah. like, you got to go fix that thing right now, blah, blah, blah. And then he just so happens to slip and fall into mm. Electric eels? Is that what it was? Yeah, yeah. They're like it was like some way for to generate electricity using electric eels. Yes. More animals with Mm -hmm. uh more testing at Oscorp. Way to go, Oscorp. Yeah. Um, I'm sure your uh accident sign, you know, so many days without an accident (laughs) is uh it stays at zero. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. Good lord. (laughs) Um I I did enjoy the very first scene that they shared together though. Mm-hmm. with um with uh spider-man and max and him saving them and everything yeah yeah because again garfield's outstanding as spider-man this entire yes. film mm-hmm. he brings it i think he's better spider-man in this film than he was in the first film and i love yes. that portrayal too the costume looks amazing exactly yeah amazing like i saw that and i was like oh my god they nailed it they, they nailed, nailed it nailed yeah it. And and even the homecoming and far from home versions, obviously we got tweaks and stuff, mm. and that's pretty true to it. But the, the Amazing Spider-Man Two has the spot on comic book costume, mm-hmm. and I've never seen it look better. And I would literally just look at high def pictures of that costume because I was just so in awe. Of it. The one thing that I think that the the homecoming suit improved on was having the the expressive eyes. Yes, the that, eyes are very cool. That. And I, that was just such a creative way, because that's something they do in the comics, right? And it's obviously, it's, you know, it, it's comic books. You can do, you can get away with that it stuff. It used to you, make me mad as a kid. I'm like, his eyes are attached to his mask. <laughs> Who are they doing that? That's so stupid. Blah, blah, blah. But then I, as I, especially once I started writing mm-hmm. and stuff, I realized that that's how you convey expression. And exactly. And a face yeah. that never changes. Yeah. You know? And, and, you know, I always thought like, well, they'll never be able to do that in live action. And then they found a way to make it work in live action. Like that's, it was brilliant. Um, yes. But other than that, like, yeah, that, co- and especially the fact that they went with the big eyes in that costume. Yes. Like, I love that. That was, because that was my Spider-Man growing up, right? That was like the Mark Bagley Spider-Man with the big eyes that like, mm-hmm. covered like half the face. Exactly. Um, only only complaint I had about big eyes is when they try to give him nose holes in his mask. And I was like, oh, you don't yeah, have yeah. nose holes. Like, <laughs> somebody's just gonna be like, suck. I know who you are. Now. Like, come, come on. That's a little ridiculous. Mm. Uh, the costume is great. The interaction with him and Max, though, is again that—that's who Spider-Man was. He—he he saved his life. I mm-hmm. mean, he had a, a genuine interaction with people. Something that I say on my podcast all the time is like try to genuine interactions with people. You don't know what they're going through. Right. And Max was down in the dumps and he hated his life. Ironically enough, it ended up biting him in the ass later. Spider-Man had a genuine interaction with him. He was kind to him, and that gave that gave Max something to go on. It gave him some hope, mm-hmm. and it gave him a weird obsession, of course. But uh, again, that, that just, it's really cool how Garfield Spider-Man is so, is really the Spider-Man that we all grew up on. From the comics. Yeah. Well, also it, and the fact that he remembers Max later when he becomes Electro. Oh yeah. I mean, oh, that yeah. was because like, there's not a really good explanation of how much time passes in this movie, but you get the sense that this movie takes place over the span of like several months. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it, because graduation day is when it starts. Yeah. And then she's supposed to go. Um, where where was she going again? She London. Was, no, she was going to go to London, mm-hmm. and in the summer, of course, obviously after school, 
Uh, and then, so by the time everything wraps up, it's like fall, right? Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. Yeah, it's like fall. Most- yeah, because the because well, it's later than that. It's like a year passes at at by the end because you see him yeah. ch- go with like all the seasons changing. Yes, I was gonna say there there was a season changing montage. So so sometime definitely passed, but um, but even yeah, like even like the main the main events of this movie take place over the course of at least like it's at least been like a month between the the time when he saves Max and the time when Max becomes Electro. Mm-hmm. right yeah. it's been at like at least a month and and how many people has he saved since exactly then? yeah and he still and it you know it takes a minute obviously because he saved so many damn people right. but but the fact that he does still remember right and that's, and, and that's something peter parker exactly yeah spider-man remembers people i mean he that's the reason why he's so obsessive about about dumb stuff because it's mm-hmm. like he he's like oh i can't believe i did this and then he's always beating himself up about something and it'd be something that anybody else would be able to look over. Mm. But that's who what makes him who he is, because he remembers things, he's affected by it, and he tries not to repeat his mistakes. Yeah. He's just so yeah. obsessive about his errors and things like that, or his interactions. One thing I think this movie did too, and that made it, um, I think Garfield elevated his Peter Parker performance in this movie. And I think having the high school graduation helped, because it took him out of that environment. Mm-hmm. And... And it was much more like the college Peter Parker. And, right. and you know, you get an, you get more of a sense of like the fact, because like in the comic books, Peter Parker is neurotic as fuck. <laughs> to say the least. <laughs> yeah. And Garfield really does a good job of capturing that, I think, in this movie. Yeah, he, he's all over the place. Um, like he, he's, he's trying to figure out what he's going to do mm-hmm. and, of, and everything after he graduates. He's trying to figure out him and Gwen. And in the back of his mind... Uh, freaking um, George is just chirping like mm-hmm. you can't be with her. You can't be with her. They break up before a graduation party, like that. That's such a Peter move. Like, mm-hmm. like literally, all he had to do is just go in and enjoy the graduation party. And he's like, no, mm-hmm. no. She's like, this is about what my father said to you. Like, Gwen, I don't want you to get. And she's like, you know what? Blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. And and their their chemistry again is is great, but. I feel like again because their story is so interwoven in these different pieces of the film mm-hmm. that some of it gets lost, and then also, especially with the grand gesture on the bridge, with with the webs and stuff mm-hmm. that was, that was super cute. I I enjoyed that, but then it's like, dog, you really put a big old target on her back, <laughs> a real big target. Because yeah. anybody, if Captain George Stacing figure out who you are, I mean, mm. you literally just wrote your love out to the woman you love on the bridge. Like, yeah. Maybe not your best best move, Parker. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, I'm glad you mentioned the the him and Gwen because this is I think they do a really good job of handling more so than in Spider Man Two with the whole because you had a very similar setup in mm-hmm. both uh, the end of Amazing Spider Man and the end of uh, the Raimi Spider Man where Peter decides you know I can't be with you because it's too dangerous. And, and then in the next movie, you've got them having this weird, awkward situation, but it feels a lot more realistic in Amazing Spider-Man 2 than it did in Spider-Man 2. Yeah, uh, mostly because Mary Jane had moved, moved away from him so much mm-hmm. in, in the Raimi film. And then for them to kind of conveniently get put back together by the end so that she can accidentally find out who he is. Like, he didn't even want to tell her who he was. Well, plus the whole the whole thing where he's like, because in 
it makes more sense in Amazing Spider-Man for him to still be trying to stay connected with her and all that because you know it's not really his choice to break up with her. It's right. it's it, he's trying to be the good guy and try to honor George's wishes. But in in the Raimi films, it was entirely his choice. And then he's doing this thing where he's reciting poetry to her. And it's just like, it's so bad and cringeworthy. Right, man. He, he's like leading, he's leading her on, but he's like, at, he's like oh, uh, uh, not too close though. Not too close. We can't be together. I'm Spider-Man. I mean, at this, in, at this party, honoring her new boyfriend. I mean, it's, <laughs> I love those kind of parties when you, when oh you God, what you love is honoring her new boyfriend. It's so God, I felt so bad for John Jameson in those movies because he's like the best guy. <laughs> yeah and it's like it, it he even says like you know what about your friend peter parker aren't you gonna invite him to the wedding and then <laughs> she's like no and and literally the moment he lost her is when she did the upside down kiss with him and, mm -hmm. and it's like oh it doesn't feel the same probably because you're not uh suffocating from all the rain but yeah 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um but in this in, in amazing it makes so much more sense and their interactions feel so much real because you know, they both want to be together, but they know there's this thing between them because of mm -hmm. George's death and everything. And it's such a, it's such a real, it feels so real. Like it feels like such a real interaction with them. Um, I really thought it was cool. The opening of uh, the Amazing Spider-Man 2 with the web swinging, mm -hmm. like the first, the first person point of view, like when I saw it a little bit in the trailer, I was like, oh, that looks corny as hell. But once you saw it in the movie theater mm -hmm. and stuff, I, I've, I, I every time that's on, I will stop and watch that scene because I, yeah. I think that's a really cool scene. And again, that's after years of us watching Raimi Spider Man swing mm. through the city <laughs> and does a couple flips, um, mm -hmm. and, and then sticks to land the next to the American flag because Spider Man, <laughs> first thing you think of when you think of American flag. Um, uh, but the, to see um, Garfield Spider Man be that agile um, web swinger mm -hmm. and just have such fun going through the city and just barreling through there just like we do on the video games now yes yeah um it, it was very cool and it, it still holds up today and they still haven't even tried to re recreate anything like that in the newer spider-man films they're like oh well they they kind of got that one right so we don't have to mm -hmm. keep trying to do the the first person point of view yeah on the web yeah. swing but they, they nailed that opening i really like that they did yeah um and uh I love how his ringtone is the is the Spider-Man theme song. <laughs> come on, come on, Peter. <laughs> Captain George Stacy built this in a cave. <laughs> and you've got the Spider-Man ringtone on your phone. Right? Yeah. Like, oh hey, you know, you disappear an awful lot and your ringtone is oh. <laughs> I remember some people getting pissed off. I remember one guy um on social media getting pissed off about it and saying, like, it takes you out because it takes you breaks the suspension of disbelief i'm like but they did that in the raimi films too you had that you had that subway oh, performer who was singing the, yeah Spider-Man, Spider-Man. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, um and that was classic everybody just laughed it off and i mean yeah. even in the iron man film like they like he's playing um the iron man theme like when they're at the casino like the very mm. opening scene and yeah yeah like when him and Rody are on the plane uh with the stewardesses and they have a ghost face killer video playing in the background whose alias is Tony Stark. <laughs> so it's like, come on, guys. Like that did not take you out of the movie. You yeah. to complain about it. Yeah. There's plenty of other stuff that you want to complain about. Yeah, yeah. Um uh, you know, Chris Cooper, I thought, what a wasted opportunity. Yeah. Because 
he would have been such an awesome Norman Osborn. And and to see by the by the time I saw this, Nor like Norman was the end all be all Spider Man villain mm-hmm. for me. Like it or not, main orchestrator of the Clone Saga. I was a big fan of that final fight between them. Not so much what it happened in the years following mm-hmm. uh, before like JMS got a hold of it and stuff. Like Paul Jenkins did some cool goblin stuff. He had, yeah, yeah, um, that um the return of the goblin story. I just reread yes. that recent. That was really good. Yeah, I got I got that back there. In fact, you know what? I was and it had such an ambiguous ending, right? Because it looked right. like he was gonna he was gonna he was gonna kill himself. Uh-huh. And and especially you get that silent panel with the just the outside and then the next with the birds flying, you get this, oh my God, he shot himself. Right. And then they right. bring him back and I'm just, they, they just like, oh no, he didn't. Like, oh, he's fine. Yeah. I mean, that uh, was such, I think that was such a perfect ending to the, to the goblin that, story. That's one of the best goblin stories for sure. Mm-hmm. And then next thing you know, Mark Millar has Peter beat them in the head with a, a mailbox. And when they did a uh, Marvel night spider, oh, God, yeah. that, that crazy shush story that they, mm. they threw together and stuff so and then you had the dark rain stuff and all that bullshit yeah and and some of that worked but norman running the entire marvel no universe. no i mean i i could i could buy if it was baron zemo but i i cannot buy norman osborne in that role his ego's way too big yeah <laughs> that's not what norman wants norman wants to replace everybody with clone people with yeah goblin people that's his main goal mm. apparently <laughs> But it was definitely a wasted opportunity because we we didn't see. Did we see Norman in the first movie? Uh, no, he was only he was mentioned. Yeah, and then mentioned, and then the the guy at the end when um when Connors is in is in Ravencroft, mm-hmm. there was speculation because that was played by Michael Massey. A lot of people thought that he was Norman Osborn because right. he doesn't um he doesn't speak. Well, he doesn't. No, in the credits, it's just like the man in black, right. And it wasn't right. until and Michael Massey comes back at the end of this movie, and then you find out he was he's Mr. Fears. Mm-hmm. But um, but yeah, everybody which I was, that was a little disappointing too, because Michael Massey also would have been an amazing Norman Osborn. Yeah, yeah, yes, he would have. So that's two missed opportunities. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But to have Norman finally be on there, and it's like, okay, uh, so this is going to lead to to Goblin somehow. And I, I didn't know anything going in, I didn't know about who was goblin and stuff mm. like that. So I'm thinking for sure. Um, I was like, all right, we're, we're going to get, we're going to get green goblin. We're going to, we're going to see what this iteration is about. Especially and, when he had, when you see his hand, when he hands the, the data oh, thing yeah. to, and it's like, he's, he's turning, he's transforming. You're like, and then when he dies, everyone, I was the whole time I'm thinking like, he's not dead. He's just, right. the transformation is just fully taken over now. And now he's going to become the goblin. And again, that, that might've been something they were mm-hmm. doing another film, but they they never got there. Yeah. So that that was definitely a loss though, because it's like, oh, Norman Osborn, and like this is this is a big deal. Mm-hmm. That's like saying, okay, uh, Batman film. Uh, here's Joker. We're gonna kill him five minutes later. Like, yeah, why? yeah, like, yeah. What part did that serve other than make Harry realize he was sick and mm-hmm. so Spider Man's blood? And also, so, like, it. I don't understand what Harry's urgency is because Norman Osborn is like what. 50 or 60 in this he movie? He has lived a very long life, yeah. And I mean, tried to tell him he had a shorter time. Like, he he didn't have long. Mm-hmm. He was trying to, I think he did mention something about it being accelerated. But Harry immediately went into panic mode. Yeah, yeah. And he he knew that he couldn't throw money at it and fix it. So I, I wonder how much of the problem 
came from that mm-hmm. because as an Osborne, he's always had money. Yeah. And then for him to not be able to just throw money at his medical issue, that'll go away. And he literally has to figure something out on his own. Uh, that, that became immediately frustrating for him and just showed how hot-headed he was. And they're, they're trying to show Harry's hot-headed side because obviously Harry was more of a hothead than mm-hmm. Norman was, even with the goblin formula at its peak. Like, Norman was not quick to anger. Norman was always like, okay, I'll remember that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah, then I'll yeah. come back and get you later. Harry was always like, he was always so emotional because to get real deep into it, that stems from uh, the abuse he suffered at Norman and neglect and, and stuff like mm-hmm. that in comic books. Um, shout out to Spidey Kicks Blood <laughs> for writing all those articles all those years ago <laughs> about it. But um, uh, uh, that's just him trying to survive after his mom died. And that's that's who he was. And then, of course, he kind of became not in the comics so much, but then him and Peter became best friends and mm. he was the one with the money and things like that. And and so that's kind of who he developed into. There was no reason for this iteration of Harry Osborne to be so quick to, uh, like, I have to figure this out now. I'm dying. Yeah. I have like 10 hours left. It's like, no, bro, you, you probably can sit down and breathe for a second. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it's just the plot requires him to it didn't it, and, yeah it, it's just the, and they're just in such a rush to to get all this stuff in this movie it's it's such a it's a very fast movie mm-hmm. it, it, like a lot is happening all the time <laughs> like it's it's non-stop and I, I was thinking about that the very first half of black widow is like that too mm-hmm. um before like before we uh, get to the prison and everything it's very action, 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 mm-hmm. breathe. And it's like, okay, it's going down. It's like action, 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 action. And I'm like, dang, man, this is, this is like, this is pretty awesome. And then they slow things down as mm. the movie progressed. And, and this one is where Black Widow was action, 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 action with a purpose. Amazing Spider-Man 2 was action, 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 feed the plot. Mm-hmm. Even if the plot doesn't need feeding. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and we also, Ed, you could tell that they, uh, I love that we get J. Jonah Jameson in this movie, but we never see him on screen because they couldn't get J.K. Simmons back. <laughs> yes, yeah. Uh, so we, we did get J.J.J., uh, but ultimately, as proven in Far From Home, there is only one person mm-hmm. who grace the screen as, uh, as J. Jonah Jameson. In that you know, um, we were talking about uh, the, the two episodes ago when I when my buddy on talk about Logan, and mm-hmm. we were talking about the, I didn't uh, realize you hadn't talked about Logan or I had probably did not pick like let's <laughs> yeah, I would we, feel like crying for the next two hours. <laughs> <laughs> but uh you know, we, we were talking about some um uh far from home news and talking and he said he's like, you know what, I we were talking about Spider-Verse and all that, and and he said he's like, I want you know, you know, J. Jonah Jameson to be one of those constants in the multiverse where it's always JK Simmons in every reality. Hey man, that 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 that'd be a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. I, I don't see why not because when when you get it right you get it right yeah I mean, yeah that's why we're, we're probably never going to see another nick fury like can you imagine something that god forbid mm-hmm. happens to samuel they're like okay let's get another black ball dude like no man it's gotta be samuel man you yeah, yeah. likeness and everything like it's only right mm-hmm. <laughs> it's only right marvel um well actually they got his they got permission to do his likeness like he they asked because they had to ask him, and and yeah. he said he said I'll do it if you agree to let me be Nick Fury in the movies. He he that that was the deal. Yeah. yeah. So a little little Easter egg for you guys mm. if you're wondering how we got here. That that was a very cool idea. Obviously, yeah. Paid years later. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, 
You know what? Also, I, I really liked, even though her story just seems to go nowhere, I did like Sally Field's Aunt May in this movie. Yeah, we, we didn't talk too much about Sally Field in the first mm-hmm. one. Um, she, I, as much as I love Rosemary mm-hmm. Harris as um, Aunt May, and she was the perfect elderly Aunt May. Mm-hmm. She's like, oh, Peter, I have two quarters rubbed together. Please take me. You know, and it, was, <laughs> it was perfect for, for the Raimi films. Mm-hmm. Um, she brought a lot of ultimate um, Aunt May to the table. Yeah. Because ultimate, ultimate Aunt May is a badass, man. She yes. Yeah. Any kind of shit. From issue one until today, she cradled Peter in her arms. And at the culmination of the series, man, she took no shit from nobody. Mm-hmm. And she took the punches and she rolled with them and she was... Even even with Ben passing and everything, man, like she she wasn't anybody who who really let the world beat beat her down, man. She was very headstrong, and Sally Field's portrayal mm-hmm. of Aunt May and that got a lot of that. Now, do I agree so much with the hiding from Peter that they don't have money? Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure Peter knows that they don't have that much money anyway. Yeah, yeah. They they live in a nice house in Queens, but beyond that, I mean, it just kind of is what it is. I mm-hmm. mean, he, he obviously. Is, is needs a scholarship to go to college, and they didn't make him look as poor as Peter mm. uh, did in the Raimi films. But she, 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 she brought a lot of the ultimate portrayal in her scenes with Peter. Though I thought they really had a nice chemistry in this film, and they mm-hmm. had a little bit yeah. of it in the first one. But for as little screen time as they got, like you said, uh, you really felt the relationship, just like you mentioned. Ben and Peter having that relationship mm-hmm. in the in Spider-Man Amazing Spider-Man One, we got that in Amazing Spider-Man Two between May and Peter, and even even at the end when uh he's he's pretty much sulking and mourning in his room and stuff, and like you expected her to go in and like give some big speech about mm-hmm. you know like oh well you know these things happen and you gotta dust yourself off and everything like that and 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 she doesn't do that like she, she but you can tell she's still there for him and. Mm-hmm. He, is and understands that she respects the fact that he needs distance and you can sense and it's it's a kudos to both actors that you could sense the emotion her being there for him emotionally Mm -hmm. without her coming in and be like now peter have some wheat cakes and get back Mm -hmm. out there yeah yeah i know is about to go tear up the city (laughs) again uh so so now did did you get the sense that uh and it's even more amazing because she hated these movies (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> a lot of them do a lot she of them do, man. she hated these movies and like she was on howard stern and she was asked about preparation for the role and she's like no i didn't really do anything to prepare for it and she's she said like you know you know you try to do the best you can but you can you can't you can't shove 10 pounds of shit into a five pound bag so <laughs> yeah she uh she said the only thing she liked about these movies was working with garfield um i bet i bet she did she's but, like Hey, I used to date Burt Riddles. <laughs> but um, but despite the fact that she obviously hated the script and the like she it it she's a good enough actress that she doesn't that none of that comes across in her performance. Right. And right. um mm-hmm. did Important. you get the did you get the sense at the end that she actually does know that Peter's Spider-Man? I'd say I I'd say throughout both films there was heavy hints dropped mm-hmm. that she knew. Mm-hmm. And again, I feel like they were building towards if it, something was going to happen to Aunt May. Yeah. If they were going to do a reveal, it was going to be her coming to her, him and saying, like, I'm not fucking stupid, Peter. Mm-hmm. You're, you're Spider-Man, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I feel like her portrayal of Aunt May got that. If you tell Rosemary Harris Aunt May that, she's curtains, you know? I don't think mm-hmm. she handled it. 
But this Aunt May totally could have handled it. And I feel like they were going to build to the point where she just looked at him like, you're Spider-Man, I'm not stupid. And Peter wasn't the best in these films with protecting the secret. We no, know. I mean, that, one of my favorite lines is when she walks into this room and she's like, why is your face so dirty? He's like, I was cleaning the chimney. She's like, you were cleaning the chimney? We don't have a chimney. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what an idiot. The the montage is him coming in at different times mm. uh, from from superheroing and mm. crime fighting was was very cool too. I, I like that because Peter's always messing up his costume. Yeah, yeah. So that was well done. <laughs> um, but yeah, I I I loved um just yeah, just her interactions with Peter were were so good. And and like you said, like there's a lot she does bring in a lot of the ultimate version. Up until Marissa Tomei, the ultimate version of Aunt May was my favorite version of the character. Yeah. And um and it's funny, like in all these movies. <laughs> Aunt May keeps getting younger and younger. <laughs> and Peter does too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a, I remember one meme after Homecoming came out where it's like in the next reboot, um, you know, Aunt May's going to be a teenager and Spider-Man's going to be a baby. <laughs> Spider baby. Spider baby. Um, yeah, my wife Angel, we were watching uh, Homecoming and for the first time, probably, mm. probably within the last year or so for her, uh, seeing Homecoming and Far From Home. And she's like, she's too young to be Aunt May. And mm. I was like, eh, she ain't that young. But I mean, you you look at her. I mean, every every dude who's not Peter is literally trying mm -hmm. to get in her pants. Like even the dude at the restaurant. I know. Like, <laughs> he's like, I think he marks you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And then I love um, I just love the idea of Tony Stark <laughs> hitting on Aunt May. It's just like, oh, I know. <laughs> And even the, even the deli guy who ended up getting mm -hmm. his deli blown up, he, he, yeah, like, yeah. he said it in a different language. And then Peter's, Peter came back and he's like, <laughs> he's like, I'm not making your sandwich. <laughs> uh, and um, uh, we're talking too much about homecoming now, but anyway, but yeah, she, I, I've, I've been all I, over the place. Yeah. Um, but her <laughs> movie. It, it, yeah, exactly. So we're, we're on brand. <laughs> um, and, you know, going back to the first movie too, I do like the, she had these little, flashes of like there's you get little hints of her relationship with ben in the first movie as well because mm -hmm. like the meatloaf scene is one of my favorite scenes right when he oh, comes back after he gets bitten and he's like yes. getting every he's like this is the best meatloaf ever and she's like she's like he's like he's really likes that and he's like yeah she's like something strange is going on. he's like yeah nobody likes your meatloaf <laughs> <laughs> and then she's like and then afterwards she's like what do you why did you ever tell me that you didn't like my meatloaf <laughs> oh man that the those are the sweet moments that mm -hmm. we don't get enough because Ben's ultimately has to die. Yeah, yeah. No matter, no matter what story you're telling, Ben's. But die. I think that's why, um, like that's why I bought Ben and May in these movies as being more realistic people than I did in the Raimi films. Because the Raimi films, it just felt like you know he's just doing the the Lee Ditko, Uncle Ben, and elderly Aunt May thing. Yeah. And which is fine, right? I mean, uh, obviously he was trying to pay homage to that and obviously I get it, but I do like more that Ben and May feel like their own characters in these movies. Yes, and, and that's definitely important. Because mm -hmm. uh, can you imagine if they try to do a Spider-Man film without May or Ben or anything like that? Or, well, obviously we've got one without Ben, but May, mm -hmm. May is a central character in, in Spider-Man's story. Yeah. Despite what some people may say, um, it, it's important that he has that that uh parental figure to kind mm -hmm. of bounce off of yeah um that's not necessarily named tony stark yeah yeah 
Um, so yeah, she she was great. And um, all right, uh, it's so hard. To, you know what? I one of the other things I really liked in this in that that scene with Electro was the scene where Peter works with the the firefighting crew and he wears the the helmet. Yes, and he, he has the helmet on. That's so Peter. Mm -hmm. That's, that's yeah. so Spider Man. Yeah. Um, that that scene was was very good. The the whole chase scene through with um with Alexi. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. The the beginning of the movie when he's trying to get the graduation. That's that's just so well done. And Gwen keeps calling him. He's like, yeah, Father's voice. She's like, what's that noise? It's like <laughs> nothing. <laughs> he's like, you're fighting crime, are you? He's like, no, I'm on my way. It's yeah. such a it's such a Spider Man scene too. Like that is. Uh huh. That scene right there is the perfect encapsulation of, of who Spider-Man is, right? He's this guy, he's, he's a crime fighter, but he's also got these personal life, these demands in his personal life as well. Like that scene is the perfect distillation of who Spider-Man is. Yeah. Yeah. I, after that scene, I was like, oh, we're in for a good one. Mm. I was like, I, I got a good villain about this. And yeah. This went... <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, and then didn't he get the graduation and like kiss her on stage? Yeah. Stuff? That was another thing. The, the whole, uh, that was, you know, we were talking about in the last episode, the whole, the cocky Peter vibe. With yeah. Playing that That's up too way cool too much. For, too cool yeah. for Peter Parker. Exactly, yeah. He does not grab the girl at graduation and do that. And then give the give the principal or whatever a high five, right? Right. I mean, it, it looked great on film. It did look great, yeah, but it's just... Not Peter Parker. <laughs> no, no. Oh, um, but that opening, I'm glad you mentioned that opening scene. And just like the whole thing where he's trying to, he's trying to catch all the vials and stuff. Oh, yeah. And, and then also when he finally beat when he finally beats alexi and he pulls his pants down with the webbing again that's such a spider-man thing just for no reason because like everybody says he's always like shut up shut up god shut up i'm trying to concentrate mm. and obviously it, one of the reasons that he's always wisecracking he's mm. distracting his opponent yeah yeah as, as we now know like peter didn't know shit about fighting other than using his powers you know right it's if not for the spider part. not for the spider sense he would have gotten killed long ago right right so that that's just one way to keep his opponents off their toes is by mm -hmm. constantly annoying them yeah um and so and then he just does it so much he just does it to his people he's seeming up with as well so he gets on superheroes nerves too but mm -hmm. um but it, it's a really beautiful thing to see those touches like that yeah uh to add the, the bow to everything <laughs> it reminds me of um do you remember the um, one of the issues of Ultimate Spider-Man when he goes and he meets Kingpin at a restaurant or something. Oh, yeah. And and then um, Kingpin looks down and he's like, young man, did you web my feet to the floor? And Spider-Man's like, maybe. He's like, what possible pleasure would you derive from that? And Spider-Man's just like, see, you don't get me, I don't get you. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's right around the time I started picking up the books because I, I think I started, um, it was after 50 or something or so, I think I started, or no, early 40s. Oh, okay. Or mid 40s when I started reading the books. So I definitely remember that scene. And because it was completely pointless, mm -hmm. it accomplished nothing other than getting on his nerves. Yeah, so, that's Peter. <laughs> exactly, and yeah, I rewatching that that movie again and just seeing the scene where he just you know webs down, pulls down the pants. I'm like, yep, that's Spider Man, mm -hmm. and it was just perfect. Um, and you know, a lot of people complain about Paul Giamatti in this movie playing, but. You know, I kind of like that. They just have, they had him in there and just even like the thing of him being the rhino at the end. I didn't mind that because it gives you the sense that if you didn't, if you disconnected it from the Sinister Six stuff, right? Right. And like, it just gives you the sense of, you know what? 
you know, Spider-Man's still doing this on an everyday basis. He's fighting guys like Rhino in this like every single day. It's not like a once every three years he fights a supervillain type of thing. No, this is a constant presence. Yeah. There's always, there's lots of uh, muggers and lots of uh, stopping petty crimes. Mm. But I mean, people like the Rhino show up all the time. Yeah. That's the face. Just like at the end of the movie. And (laughs) I mean, I, I, I didn't love it because it's like, he's supposed to be mourning and everything. But Mm. at the same time, they did show the passage of Tom mm-hmm. for him to finally be like, all right, I'm going back out there. And then from the step right back into the role, you know, and then, and then take down Rhino and stuff. It, it was very cool to see that uh, despite it all, despite losing mm-hmm. the woman he loved more than anything in life, I mean, Spider-Man still got to take, put down the evil at the, when we cross his path with him. Yeah. Man. Another thing, uh, another scene that I just remembered, and this kind of goes back to when you were talking about the kid who collected Spider-Man in mm-hmm. the last episode, and yeah. the scene with the kid who's getting bullied, and yeah. and he and he comes in and and he's and he's geeking out over the kid's invention, right? Like that's you know just and he's just walking home with him, yeah. And that's with a child, man. You're supposed yeah. to be excited for him. I mean, you, you haven't gotten there yet, but. Uh, a, Aaliyah, my daughter, will sit there and and she'll she'll build Legos or she'll draw mm-hmm. something and it's like she'll show it to me. Now, if anybody else's kid hands this to me, I'm like, okay, it's still a kid. I wouldn't do that. But, you know, <laughs> let's say say you drew a picture and you're like, hey man, check this out. I'm really proud mm-hmm. of you. I'm like, no, dude. It's not yeah, that. exactly. No. Yeah, it's like you don't do that with a child. You're you're supposed to encourage that sense of wonder. Mm-hmm. You're supposed to um and, and tell them that they're. You, you want them to continue creating and stuff. You want well, I mean, we're, we're doing, we're, we, I do kind of get a little bit of that sense with my daughter now because, you know, she's starting to learn how to crawl and everything like that. So like, yeah. so like, even just like, even just like getting up on her knees, which usually she'll just kind of like pull herself across the ground. Yeah. But, you know, every now and then she'll get up on her knees and she'll like start pumping and like get ready to move forward. And, you know, and when we put her in this, uh, we got this walker thing too. And, mm-hmm. She can go side to side and she can go back, but she can't really go. She has, she can get like one step forward and that's it. Hey, enjoy it while you can. Cause once yeah. they start moving, it's over. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Life was so easy. And all of a sudden Aaliyah's like, and I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> Stay still. I've been saying that ever since. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're, you're supposed to encourage children like that. Mm-hmm. And again, very Spider-Man kudos to Garfield. And, and the writers and everybody and the director, everything, he, he made time for that kid and made mm-hmm. that kid's day, man. And yeah, and and again, that's another big part of Spider Man because Spider Man is there for the little things and mm-hmm. for the big things, right? Right, the friendly neighborhood Spider Man thing that was friendly neighborhood that that's those that aspect in, in that scene in that movie and the the scene with the kid on the bridge in the first movie mm-hmm. that you know, those those are the types of moments that sell that kind of that idea. So, so there's so many good things in this movie. Mm-hmm. It's just, why did it have to be so much in this one movie? Exactly, yeah. And I mean, and there's, even with the villain stuff, like there's there's stuff I, we, we even get, you know, Ravencroft for the first time. And well, we got, yeah. we saw the Connors in the cell, but it wasn't actually, I don't think they explicitly called it Ravencroft in that movie. No, I don't think they explained too much. But they explicitly call it out Ravencroft in this movie. And I don't know what they were doing with, Dr. Kafka, though, because Dr. Kafka in the comics is a woman, and here they make him into uh, a man, and not only that, but like a German mad scientist type. It was so yeah, bad. I um, 
did not love that because uh, Ashley Kafka was one of my favorite characters from mm-hmm. the mid '90s because she she was like the Doctor at Ravencroft and yeah. she was always involved in like the little stories and stuff. And eventually, she got romant- romantically involved with John Jameson. Mm-hmm. So I did like that character, and then to see it, them the gender uh, the gender switch didn't bother me, but for them to be again this mad scientist and then ultimately die. Mm-hmm. Like what? What was the point of all that? Yeah, it was so. It's like this is also like the, the uh, the stuff with um, you know, uh, Jamie Foxx's Matt Dillon and like being like Mac Max Dillon, um, being <laughs> Matt, Matt Dillon. Dillon. <laughs> oh man, I don't know. Matt Dillon could have maybe brought done I better. Think he probably would have done a better job as Electro. Yeah, um, but yeah, but the whole like like I keep getting the sense that it's like, it's like you got these weird schumacher-esque elements <laughs> like mm-hmm. somebody it's like somebody spliced in these characters from the schumacher batman films into these movies and it's like where you have uh jamie fox is like jim carrey in batman forever and um um i don't know what his name is but the guy who plays kafka is like um john glover's dr woodrow in batman and robin yeah yeah uh-huh uh so many bad choices mm-hmm. <laughs> i can't say that enough um do you do you want to talk about uh the the death scene with Gwen and everything? Um one I want to get one other thing first, and that yeah. was I did like some of Harry's interactions with the um uh with the board, right? Like when he comes in yeah. and, and and he's telling him and he's like it's Mr. Osborne to you and all that. And like I did like that, and then he's and then he notices Felicia and he says that from now on everybody works for Felicia. Right, I, and I did. I did like those little moments when he when he asserts himself. The the again, that was something that Harry never was that great at. Mm-hmm. Uh, so to to see him stepping into that role of his dad's, which is something important in his character arc throughout mm-hmm. the, throughout his history, and then to see him go to Felicia and and say you answer Felicia and stuff, mm-hmm. that that's more world building. So if you don't immediately have Goblin die at the end of the film mm. and you want to keep him around and go forward with him and then have Felicia over here to decide they had so many pieces that they could have worked with mm-hmm. um so that so that was very cool to see that too yeah I, I like that place too now the death scene you yeah. know what I hate the way it's handled but it's still it still gets me every time yeah I mean and like Garfield and he did the same thing with um with George's death in the first movie too it's like he so sells that emotion like you like you mentioned last episode and he's just like you really feel that emotion like when he keeps saying repeating over and over stay with me stay with me like it's uh, it it is heartbreaking it messed me up in the movie theaters and it mm-hmm. still messed me up the last time I watched it yeah you you know he's not going to get to her mm-hmm. and I'm I'm not a purist. I don't need her to be thrown off a bridge. Mm. I don't need I don't need y'all to do that crazy thing that they did, which I I still believe in believe that uh ultimate you you know the story. She was dead before she hit the water, but then there's a snap sound effect they've taken mm-hmm. out of, of reprints and stuff like that of when Spider gra- Spider-Man grabs them with with the web. Mm-hmm. Um so I'm glad they didn't go that route. And yeah. They, they went and Raimi, the Raimi film, obviously had Mary Jane thrown off the bridge several times in one and three. Mm. <laughs> she was thrown off bridges. So I'm glad <laughs> it didn't go that way. Mm. And 
with with everything just falling around them and him being so close and him trying to fire the web to save her. And like you said, the scene feels for, like it lasts forever mm-hmm. until she hits the bottom and they and they did not do her any favors. They they want to make sure you realize mm-hmm. she hit the bottom. Cause it wasn't like like a slow motion, like oh, and then her No, it it's and it's such a because it's it is going in slow motion, like the web is sliding right. in slow motion, but then that snap is just boom. Yeah in real time. Yeah. Real time, she hits and then stops moving. And it's just like your your stomach just sinks. Mm-hmm. And there's that there's that moment of silence, right? After yes, she's just hanging there, just like, and you're just like, oh shit, that just happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, as much as I hate how they how that scene happened, like everything orchestrated around it with the goblin coming in at the last minute and just being kind of tacked on, and like her conveniently being there now, to, right? To be picked up in the first place, you know, because she had, she was involved in taking out Electro. Mm-hmm. So I mean, but she wasn't there. I mean, she came into the fight to help Spider Man, yeah. <clears throat> and then for her to conveniently be there for the plot, so that. Harry can end up doing that to her, mm-hmm. but I did. I I did like how um, she asserted herself to Peter in that right when when she comes into the power plant and she's like you know she's reading him the riot act. Well, and, they, they were fighting over that the whole movie though. Mm-hmm, what, yeah, again, it goes back to her dad saying protect her, mm-hmm. and then she's like, you don't have to protect me. Uh, I can take care of myself, and and all all the details that go with that. So yeah, yeah. And and again, that speaks to their chemistry because Gwen and Peter didn't get along all the time. Mm-hmm. They didn't get along a lot in this movie. Yeah, some of it was a little overly dramatic with with the breakups and mm-hmm. the whole, I won't go and go to London with you and things like that. Mm-hmm. They, they needed those set pieces to to move the plot along and make this scene way more. Yeah. So to see them have that argument, they were arguing right before like before Green Goblin showed up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then for her to be gone like minutes later, like mm-hmm. his his last memories of her wasn't even like a happy memory. It wasn't mm-hmm. even like he got to tell her goodbye or anything. It was literally like we're we're bickering, and then now you're dead. Which is how it works in real life too, which makes it yeah. such a real moment too. Um, and yeah, like all that stuff surrounding the death, you know, aside, but just like that, those moments were handled so well. And it's that's why this is such a frustrating movie because there's so many good elements in it. Right, right. Because if it's it's hard for me to tell somebody that one of the best Spider-Man scenes is in Amazing Spider-Man Two mm-hmm. because it's at the end of the movie and you got to go through so much shit just yeah. to get to it. Yeah. That by the time, like, is it even worth? the scene and honestly yes mm-hmm. it, it's worth everything else that they put us through this movie to get to the final to the end of this movie for the minute that Gwen starts falling mm-hmm. through the through the rhino fight all of that works everything works from the beginning of the film up until pretty much max is introduced and then yeah yeah starts and then everything in there is just choppy from there mm-hmm. so the beginning is strong the end is really strong yeah it's. I wish that. I wish there had been a little. I don't know what the rush was or what the, the, the mandate was at Sony that they had to put it out this way or that they had to. And I get Avengers was big two years before, mm-hmm. but the thing is, 
and again, DC, uh, DC is still learning this lesson. You can't build shared movie universes overnight. Yeah. That's what they, they attempted to do. Marvel literally took four years to get to Avengers. Exactly. Yeah. And everywhere else is like, we'll do this real quick and everybody will be here and it'll be awesome. And it's like, no, it, unless you have the perfect film, mm. it's not going to work that way. And, and even so, like Marvel had the perfect film, but it took time to get there. Yeah. Yes, it did. If they had just come out in 20, 2008 with the Avengers, it wouldn't have hit. No, it would I not have worked. It would have. Um, it been like, what are all these characters doing? We don't have that. There's there've been no backstory to any of the characters. You would if you just drop into Avengers without knowing anything about it, you can follow it relatively okay, but you're gonna be lost a lot and you need that world building to really sell that movie. Yeah. Um and that that's something that I think Marvel has learned over the years. Mm-hmm. I know that Avengers was the culmination of phase one, but even with stuff that we saw throughout phase two and phase three and the beginning of phase four. A lot of the movies you can just jump in, especially the mm-hmm. Guardians movies. The Guardians yeah. movies are like a lot of people's um, gateway drugs to them. That's how movies. that's how I introduced my wife to them is through the Guardians movies. There you go, there you go, because uh, that that's the best way to do it. They're funny, they're entertaining, mm-hmm. and then it makes you say, "Well, you know what? Maybe I will try out something mm-hmm. else." And then you exactly. start getting everything else. Uh, so to see all these great ideas that could have been different segments of movies. Um, and again, I don't know what Garfield wanted to do. I don't know what Emma wanted to do. I, but you, you feel like there was definitely going to be a third one mm. and there was room for all these stories to be told. This movie could have literally just been about the death of Gwen Stacy somehow. Yes. Yeah. And you, you eliminate the electro electro part. You go straight goblin, straight mm-hmm. Peter. You build more about, um, Harry's about Harry Osborne and green goblin mystique. You lean heavy into that. Keep all the parts with him and Gwen. You can still have your your fun parts with the graduation. Mm-hmm. And you can even throw the Rhino in the beginning and the end. It's not going to matter. That can be your second villain. But you, you focus on Green Goblin and you tell Gwen and Peter's story. And then by the end, when you get to the emotional moment mm-hmm. when Gwen goes down and starts falling, like that that sounds like a perfect, perfect Spider-Man film. And I, by no means, have, the, um, have a screenplay or anything like that. But then you you have these elements you could still introduce. You've under, you could do uh, Electro another time, hopefully way better. You yeah. Can, you got Felicia Hardy there. You have, uh, if you want to expand on the Rhino and the Center of Six, that's there later. Mm-hmm. You can sit up Norman. You can still do um, Peter's parents. But they just try to do too much. They try to do too much. I mean, and then they also had the, you know, speak, when you mentioned Peter's parents, it reminded me too, the whole the whole Roosevelt thing, right? Where he's got this hidden subway card. It's just like... And when there's did, no payoff. When did Richard Parker even have time to build that? And it's like, <laughs> I I don't know. And and one of the things I didn't like about either of these films, I know Peter's parents died when he was very little. He doesn't mm-hmm. remember them. He has this desire to know who they are, and I know they really wanted to work on us taking this journey with them to discover more about who his parents really were. None of the parent stuff really, uh, really worked for me because yeah. they were such small elements in both films and and even if we got more in the third movie i don't know it would have been as been the story the payoff that i've been hoping for from you know what i felt like because this movie was i think it was heavily influenced by 
Casino Royale and Batman Begins in that this whole idea yeah. of like, you know, we have to tell the untold story of Spider-Man's origins. Like, well, there, there is no untold story about it. And when you try to make, try to engineer it around that, it, it just doesn't, it doesn't work. Yeah, Richard and Mary had nothing to do with him being mm-hmm. Spider-Man. Yeah. Um, you can try to tell me that they had a lot to do with the person that Spider-Man's become, Peter Parker's become, but ultimately, no, that's all on May and Ben. It's all May and Ben, that. yeah. Yeah, that's who raised him. Now, if you it's like it's like me, in that in that great scene when Sally Field says, you know, she's like, "You're my boy. I raised you." And yes, that was great. Mm-hmm. Lo- love that scene every time. That, that's, mm-hmm. that's very for someone who didn't want to be in the scene. She was very mm-hmm. present yeah. in that moment. That that was great. So even if you want to spring these other ideas from his parents, which eventually will come into the Spider-Man universe. Mm-hmm. Um, it really has no bearing on the character whose story you're telling. And it's like, I understand if you want to link Richard and Mary to his origin and like, you know, Richard worked for Oscorp, that's fine. But there's not really a whole other story behind that. It's just like, yeah, his research ended up influencing this other thing. But but even still, I like the idea more that Peter gets bitten as an accident of, of fate, right? It's not it's not something that happened because of who his father was or anything like that. It wasn't this right. coincidence. It was just he wasn't he, a test subject. He was in the right place at the right time. Yeah, and and that's how and that's how the world got the amazing Spider-Man. Yeah, yeah, and um, oh, what else was I gonna say? Um, you know what I think? You know what you could do is I would have taken the Goblin stuff out of this. I would have just focused this on Electro, and then the movie ends with Gwen going to Europe, right? And then- Which is great too, because Gwen took off to Europe in the comic books. Exactly, anyway. exactly. So so that would have been great too. Um, and then- Sit through a bad Electro story. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, the Electro story, still, I'd still make changes to that too. But even still, like, you, if you just focus on, you know, Electro in this movie, that's all you really need. And then you've got the setup at the end of the movie with Harry transforming and going to the goblin suit and Gwen going off to Europe now, and now you've got the perfect setup for a third movie. Yeah, your way might be a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Um, and also with her going off to Europe, then you can also introduce Mary Jane, which is what they had, her scenes were cut in this movie because there were two big scene cuts. One was uh, Shailene Woody was supposed to play Mary Jane. Yes. Um, and then the right. other one is that the very end, and this, um, uh, where you find out that Richard Parker survived. And he comes up to Peter at the gravesite at the end. I'm not sure if you ever saw that scene. What? <laughs> yeah, it was. It was really. It just. It felt so forced. Oh my god! <laughs> Boy, if if Richard Parker came up to Peter Parker in that movie, I I've been done. They I filmed it. Need, I need a refund. They filmed god, it. It's America. Yeah. Why? They filmed it. You can go. Um, it's on the special features, or you can probably find it on YouTube. But yeah. That's- that's May's boy. Yeah, that, they filmed yours, it. Richard. Yeah, he he came back to life, and I'm just like, that was like the why? There's that just man no- survived an airplane explosion. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> too one too much, man. Yeah, why? way too much, way too much. That's the that's the curse, and it's it's funny because both these both these iterations of Spider Man made the same problems in the last movie. <laughs> They both tried to do way too much in the last movie. Yeah. And we we know what happened with Raimi. Raimi wanted to tell a smaller scale mm-hmm. story with more with multiple villains. And Sony got involved and said, hey, Well, not even 
Yeah, he didn't even. I, he wanted. I don't even think he wanted Harry to be a big focus in that third movie. He wanted it to be Sandman as the main focus. Yeah, like Harry yeah. was going to be in there, but Harry wasn't. They were going to set up Harry probably for like the fourth movie, if anything. Yeah, but Say la vie. what can you? Yeah. Do? All right. Well, you know, comparing these two, like the the Amazing Spider-Man movie that did too much and the Spider-Man movie that did too much, which one would you prefer? That's that's a tough one, honestly. The nostalgia of Spider-Man Three is, mm-hmm. is what my gut wants to say, but with all its faults, the Amazing Spider-Man Two is—it's so it moves so nicely mm-hmm. along at a nice good clip. Things are constantly happening. Uh, you you can get lost quite easily. Don't get yeah. me wrong, because <laughs> there's a, there, again we've said this many times, folks. There's like seventeen different things happening in the plot. Exactly. Yeah. But it, it moves along at such a nice clip. Spider-Man 3 slows down quite considerably, at least two to three times in the, in yeah. the other film. So I, I'd have to say if I had to choose between the two, I'd say Spider-Man, Amazing Spider-Man 2 mm-hmm. would be the one that I would watch. I think I enjoy Spider-Man 3 more um, overall, despite its many, many flaws too. Um, but for ha- for being probably the most terrible Spider-Man movie that's been released to date, um it, it goes the pacing of it is very good so it's very mm. watchable still which is crazy i i i would put this one above uh spider-man 3 i think it's yeah uh because the even despite all the villain both of them had the same villain problems um but despite so you could put that aside because both of them have the exact same villain problems um yeah where it's just like three villains. It's just way too much trying to, trying to do too much with these villains and the vill- none of them get the proper amount of development. Um, but the everything else in Amazing Spider-Man 2, I think is better because you've got this really strong core with, um, with Peter and Gwen. And, that, and the cast that, is better too. The cast is better, yeah. That, that chemistry between, um, between Garfield and Stone is just so much better than the you can't even call it chemistry between mcguire and duns because it, it did not exist it was like they anti-chemistry it so yeah. hard on three man they phoned it in so hard uh, other than franco and um dance and peter like everybody phoned in all the performances yeah it. yeah and it's um also when you think about the just the way they behave like yeah they have in both of them you know Peter has conflicts with his girlfriend. They're butting heads, but it fe- like you know going back to what we're saying about with May and Ben, like it feels more real in Amazing Spider-Man Two. Whereas in um, in Spider-Man Three, it's she's you know she's having a rough time, and Peter's trying to sympathize with her, and she's being a total bitch to him about it. <laughs> yes, she is. She's like, you don't understand. You're not a struggling. I'm supposed to be on Broadway, Peter. Yeah, and it's like, it's like, oh. bitch. He just, he just spent like what, like the past five years getting completely torn apart by the city of New York. I yeah. think he knows a little bit about rejection. Yeah, just a little bit. Oh, and yeah. she was so jealous of Spider-Man Day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not like that at all. I mean, and plus, like, like well, also too, like yeah. even even if the the roles were forced. Like each role had a purpose in um, right. in Amazing Spider-Man Two. Gwen Stacy in Spider-Man Three had zero purpose. Like you could cut her scenes completely, and the movie would not be affected at all. It affects nothing. Yeah, she was literally there to 
be a, a hot looking rival to, to mm. MJ and and she her. was never even really a rival either. No, no, to, uh, other than her kissing Spider Man. Yeah, yeah. Randomly. That was just something else to make Mary J mad. Right. Uh, and then I did the scene where Spider Man saves her, but I, I do think that was really well done. That was yeah, yeah, it was well done. Yeah. So that that was cool. But other than that, that that's it. There, there's no big deal. It's so yeah, so yeah, I I definitely take this one over over Spider Man three. I think it's 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 a much stronger movie all around. Flaws flaws aside. Yeah. Um, but um, all right. Yeah. So uh, any any final thoughts, Kel, on uh, either of these movies? I guess the the web se- the web series in general. Um. Well. Again, I, when I suggest this to you, I, I was ready to eviscerate both of these movies because <laughs> when when you watch them, especially after we've gotten all the iterations of um, Holland's Spider-Man, mm-hmm. it's really easy to dismiss these because there's only two of them. They're not as uh, why they're not as loved as the Raimi films. Right. So it's real easy to be like, oh man, they were they were terrible and blah blah blah. Garfield was too cool to be Peter and. And he was a good Spider-Man, though. But he's too cool to be Peter. And uh, the third, the second one's real bad. And Jamie Foxx is awful. And mm-hmm. like all those things are can be true, but they there's a lot of things that work in both films. Yeah, the first one, the first one's a solid film. Like I said last episode, you sh- you can watch that one. I do I do recommend that one. Mm-hmm. I recommend you watch Spider-Man Two, Amazing Spider-Man Two as well. I cannot promise you you'll like it. <laughs> <laughs> um i i do and i did enjoy it more than i thought i would uh and then also i have that bias uh that little thing that's it's a spider-man film so <laughs> I, of course i might enjoy it but with all its flaws just like spider-man 3 there's a lot to like in this movie and it has a great beginning it has a great end and the movie moves along a nice enough clip where you can sit down and, and throw it on in the background or just sit and watch the whole movie and, and you'll enjoy it. Now, mm-hmm. not the best performances from Jamie Foxx or um, or the Green Goblin, of course, but we, we don't know who to blame on that. Mm-hmm. But it, it's a watchable movie, you know? Uh, it's definitely a watchable movie, so check them both out. And Perry, I think you've uh, changed my mind on my <laughs> amazing Spider-Man film hate because I, I did not but when I suggested this, I was like, "Yes, he does." I'm just gonna go in here and be like, "Like this is awful," and blah blah blah. But I, I did really enjoy myself watching both films again. Yeah, yeah, there. And I think a, a, one of the big strengths that the Raimi films had is that they came in at a point where we had really nothing else out. Nothing. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you had X Men, but even X Men was like very much, you know, it was trying to it was one of those things where like it, it was, it was a shame to be in a superhero movie. Like <laughs> X-Men 2000 was, is it's different. man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, um, but, but Raimi Spider-Man, that was like the first superhero movie probably since Superman, the movie that was really out and proud about being a superhero movie. Right. Oh, it was, yeah. it was, they were like, there were, it was unapologetically joyous in its celebration of being a superhero movie. Waving the superhero pride. Yeah. Flag. Yeah. And, flag. and it's, and there was nothing else like that at the time. So, None. so even though you go back and you watch those movies, and yeah, they have flaws. <laughs> like they are not, you know. I think a lot of people uh, are looking at those movies with rose-colored glasses because you know there's a lot of there's a lot of cheesiness in those movies. <laughs> there's a lot. 
And and um, these movies had, I think, if these movies had came out in like you know 2002, they would have been much more well received. Um, oh, I can imagine in these movies in 2002. Um, yeah, I mean, but but they came out. Blown. Yeah, but they came out in in a post Avengers world. So, and it's kind of like um, it reminds me of Days of Future Past in a lot of the ways because Days of Future Past kind of had this same problem where it's it feels like a movie that should have come out before Avengers. Right. Uh, I know exactly what you mean because literally they're like, hey, we're getting the gang back together. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, okay, we, we got the gang back together. Here it is. Everybody's like, oh, th- thanks. Yeah, yeah. We appreciate it, <laughs> but we, we don't really appreciate it. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah I mean, they're, they're, um, they're uneven movies is basically what it comes down to. But the it's worth, they're worth watching just on the strength of Andrew Garfield and Emma Stone alone. And the, and that, and like you said, that first scene in, um, in Amazing Spider-Man 2 is just pitch perfect Spider-Man. And like those things alone, like the, the casting of everyone who's not a villain is, is perfect. And, (laughs) and those, and those moments, those human moments, they're really, and that's, that's Mark Webb's background, right? I mean, he directed 500 Days of Summer and that was an amazing, that was a great movie. That's true. Cult classic right there. Mm -hmm. I don't even know if it's a cult classic. It's just classic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So yeah, they're, they're worth watching. I mean, if, if you have to fast forward to the supervillain parts, then go ahead, but it is worth it just for the. For the interactions between you know Peter and Gwen, I'm sure there's a Amazing Spider-Man two supercut out there somewhere that has no villains in it. So oh, I'm probably probably yeah. <laughs> they got those things all over the place now. Yeah. All right. Well, Kel, thanks a lot for for coming on and for oh, absolutely man. for sitting for... for looking at three out over three hours on um, the Zoom counter here that we've been oh, sitting no, talking. No, no problem. I, I, I'm used to going. Going for at least three hours when I sit down and record a podcast. <laughs> so, awesome, awesome, good. Uh, I do a lot of talking, so I don't mind at all. I appreciate you letting me talk about the main Spider-Man films with you. Oh, happy to have you come on. Got to have you come back on again at some point. Yeah, hundred percent. I will be here. Absolutely. Awesome, hundred percent. You said it again. I know. I know. <laughs> I went on purpose. I said hundred percent, and then I was like, absolutely. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, oh, before we finish up, uh, tell people where they can find you. You can find me on, let's do social media this time. So you can find me on Twitter at B hyphen uh, on Instagram. I am the B hyphen on Facebook hyphen universe, even, but I'm rarely over there because nobody pays attention to me on Facebook. <laughs> and then, um, yeah, those, those are the main places I, I can be found. And if you really want to uh, see some, me be goofy, you can follow me on TikTok, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> is that all the hyphen on there the hyphen okay yep okay well that does it for um another episode of superhero cinephiles uh come back next time where i believe if i'm not mistaken we're going to have a kind of a a different thing uh we're going to be talking about uh politics and superheroes um in light of all this uh dean kane bullshit so uh (laughs) you got van allen plexico's planning to come on and we're going to be talking about politics and superheroes yes shout out to van yeah um so Come join us for, for a special discussion. Um, otherwise, head over to SuperheroCinephiles.com. Superhero Cinephiles, the Facebook group, Super Cinema Pod on Twitter and Instagram. Um, be sure to like, be sure to subscribe, be sure to review, be sure to toss us some money through, um, through Buy Me a Coffee or PayPal or Patreon or whatever you like. Thanks again for watching. Thanks again for listening. And we will see you next time. You have been listening to the Superhero Cinephiles podcast. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Super Cinema Pod. Join our Facebook group by searching for Superhero Cinephiles 
where you can interact with us and other superhero fans. If you'd like to support the show, you can become a regular supporter at Patreon or make a one-time donation through PayPal, both of which can be found at our website, SuperheroCinephiles.com. If you buy or rent any movies through the Amazon links at our site, it helps support the show. Please be sure to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening. And as always, good night, good evening, God bless.